You're listening to the Lord's Army Radio Dispatch. The Lord's Army Radio Dispatch is the audio branch of lordsarmy.org, a Christian training ministry. During this weekly podcast, you'll meet individuals on the front lines of battle with the world. You'll meet Christian leaders, pastors, and lay people, all of whom have been used to the glory of God. If you are a Christian, then we encourage you to become an active duty soldier and join the battle that's going on around you every single day. Come join the Lord's Army. Thank you for listening to the Lord's Army Radio Dispatch. I'm Skip Wilson. It's hard to believe, but it's been a year. This episode is airing one year from the start of our ministry. Uh, The Lord's Army uh, started as an idea about three years ago. It took several years of development and before actually launching one year ago, just last December. So it's hard to believe that it's already been a year, but it has. And so with a year of podcasts behind us, we're going to take a look back over the year, the things that we did right, the things that we did wrong, the things that we changed, why we made some of the changes we made, and so forth. So let's take a look back over the past year. And this also is going to be our last episode for about a month. And so we'll talk about that as well. So now let's play a clip from the very first episode. This this podcast has the exact same purpose as the rest of the ministry, which is nothing more than to strengthen the church. The podcast mirrors the blog and that it's going to cover a variety of different topics, a variety of different formats, uh, all designed to make it easier for you and more clear for you to live as Christ. That was the idea. Basically, let's take the podcast and the blog and basically have them both covering random topics, usually the same topic, and have them both work together. Some people like audio, some people like reading. And so there you go. Now, that ended up being completely different from where we are today, but we can talk about that. We also, when I listened to the very first episode, I was, I guess the best way to put it, I was bored. I did. I think I thought we uh, I thought Trey and Michael and and myself, I thought we did a relatively good job, but that frankly, it was boring. And so to lighten things up a little bit, I thought, well, let's uh, let's do this really hyper stylized. Let's play off the campiness of the war and the old war newsreels and all those things. And so let's put together an introduction. And so for about 10 episodes, I think, or so. Maybe a little less than that. We had this introduction. Now, I would custom write one, uh, usually right at the beginning of the episode. I would just sort of jot down a couple of notes or a couple of funny things that maybe were happening in the news. And uh, so while each joke was different, uh, most of you may remember that some of the episodes began like this. Joyce Maya yet to read First Timothy. Jesse Duplantis enjoying flying around in his jet, paid for merely by the cost of the wrath of God. And discernment ministries continue to find problems with absolutely everything and everyone. And for the beginning part of the podcast, it went on like that. The idea was simple. The podcast would basically be sort of like a fun, cool book club with Trey and Michael and myself just sort of feeding off each other, tossing off, uh, you know, all reading the same books, just sort of tossing out questions to each other. And it worked. Uh, We covered a variety of books, a variety of topics, uh, many different things. Um, Then we did our first interview. Eric was 
awesome. We interviewed uh, Eric Dewin, the um, who's a good friend of mine. He's the owner of Java Bistro, which is the absolute best cafe, uh, restaurant, coffee shop. It's all of those things rolled into one in the Five Forks area of Simpsonville. In in all seriousness, it is the best iced coffee, which they do free refills of, and it is the hands down best club sandwich I have ever had. It is my favorite thing. My family and I can frequently be found there, but uh, anyway, Java Bistro is awesome. We did an interview uh, with him because besides the awesome food and the the amazing uh, food, every table there has a Bible on it, uh, unless someone's taken the Bible, which happens, which is not a bad thing. And almost always when you're there, there are other prayer groups, ministry groups. You There's a prayer request box right there up front, and every cup of coffee has a scripture verse on it. And so here you have a uh, coffee shop, a restaurant uh, that is really turned into a ministry outreach program. And so, uh, and it, that's very intentionally done. And so we interviewed the owner as a perfect example. Not only is the story of how his restaurant uh, came to be an inspiring one, if you haven't listened to that episode, I recommend it. It's, it's amazing how he was able to start a restaurant uh, with. Uh, and in a point in his life where you really wouldn't have thought someone would necessarily be able to start in a restaurant. So it's an incredibly inspiring story. But also in the interview, he had some amazing things to say about God and how we can maintain a relationship with him. I was still learning, how do I love God? What really is love? I realized that love is not an emotion. It's not that fuzzy-wuzzy feeling you have for somebody. This is a purpose and uh, so, like with your wife, if I don't actively talk to my wife, what kind of relationship is that? If I don't actively kind of do dates with my wife, what am I doing for the relationship? And I feel like I need to spend time with God, like really get a relationship, like kind of a conversation back and forth kind of feel things out when I do this, do you like this? And when I do this, do you like this? And in the relationship is... At the time of that interview in this podcast, interviews were something that we weren't really considering. It was just something that sort of happened organically. It was always something that we thought we might do sometimes, but we were actually going through A.W. Tozer's The Pursuit of God, which is a phenomenal book. Again, main idea was to basically take a book study and put it online. Uh, in audio format. But when we did that interview, it received nearly double our average number of downloads and listens. Uh, but at the time, we didn't, uh, we weren't really tracking that. We didn't even notice. I uh, didn't even look. Uh, we just sort of kept going through the topics. Uh, and then weeks later, we did another interview. We interviewed uh, David from Old Dead Gangsters or ODG Apparel. Uh, Old Dead Gangsters talking about, of course, the Puritans and the Reformers and those things. It's this, uh, he has this fantastic uh, evangelistic uh, t-shirt and sticker company. Uh, yes, you heard that correct. It's t-shirts that provide a platform for sharing the gospel. We talk about that uh, in, in his episode. And he actually gave one of my favorite stories, uh, one of the favorite sort of sound bites uh, from the whole uh, first year that that I re that really stuck in my mind. Here's what he said. When we tell them uh, this is what we believe to be true, I wonder if they look at us and go, "It doesn't seem like it's true to you." Right. 
and I want to live a life. I had a, I can go into a really long story, but I had a, a really powerful conversation that changed the entire course of my life with a friend of mine who was an atheist in college. And he, I shared the gospel with him, and he looked at me and said this to me. He said, Dave, I would believe it if you believed it. And I said, what do you mean? He says, when I look at your life, and I look at what you're telling me and how crazy what you're saying is, that there's this eternal God that is invisible, that, that, that you know, sent his son, all these things you're telling me. He's like, man, if I believe that, I would sell everything I had and go to the furthest mountain and tell people about it. He's like, you wouldn't. He's like, so you want to know why I don't believe it? Because I don't think you believe it. And I remember leaving that conversation and thinking to myself, I never want someone to look at my life and say, you don't believe it. Hmm. I want someone to look at my life and go, man, you're crazy. I don't believe what you believe, but man, you believe it. And so that's kind of how I want to live my entire life. And that's what I would encourage everyone listening. Like, man, let's live lives that people look at and go, I don't necessarily believe what you believe, but you definitely believe it. Now, that episode, too, received one of our highest number of downloads and listens of the early episodes. And so, uh, again, also went unnoticed. I'll talk about when I noticed it later. But but eventually, the podcast turned um, a little bit more expository. Um, in other words, every episode was beginning to sound an awful lot like a sermon which we did not want. Uh, that uh, was never something that, uh, that we wanted to, to offer from our ministry. Um, we never want to offer anything from the Lord's Army that could possibly be in competition with the local church or make people feel like maybe now they don't need to go to church because they listened uh, to a podcast or something, uh, something like that. And so uh, we really were sensitive to the fact that uh, it was beginning to become very sermony, and then there was a bombshell. Um, I can't get into too much detail, but essentially, Michael, uh, who you'll notice uh, is not in any of the clips uh, today, <laughs> but Michael was—he uh, was catching some heat from his denomination about being a part of the podcast, about being involved in the podcast, and so. Um, Again, I don't want to go into any details, but uh, eventually he had to leave the podcast. And at that same time, um, you know, again, I was getting frustrated with the fact that it was becoming increasingly pastoral. And then that was a problem made even worse when I became really the only voice of the podcast. And so then it became very sermon-like. And... Uh, you know, I love you, and I do care about you, and I do pray for you, um, and I'm happy to help you with anything that I can help you with, uh, but I am not your pastor, and uh, these are not sermons. They are podcasts. They are to be complimenting. It's The assumption is, is that you're a member of a church or that you're going to a local church and that you're doing those things. If not, uh, you should be, and we can talk about that if you'd like to message uh, me at info at lordsarmy.org. But uh, yeah, these are this is not a substitute for for sermons, and so really didn't like the sort of tone that that was uh, that that was uh, that they were taking. And then, after much prayer about this issue, I, that's when I began to look at our numbers. And every time we interviewed someone, which was several, we had several interviews uh, by that time, our numbers spiked. So every interview number spiked. And so uh, the new format was born. It turns out that I guess doing a successful blog and a successful podcast are two very different things and that what makes 
for good blog that sort of teaching and and writing and sort of uh almost class style works better for writing than it does for audio and so for audio we needed to do something different and the interviews seem to be striking a chord those were the episodes that people were mentioning the most they were the episodes that people would give us feedback on the most and they were the ones frankly that most people were listening to and so rather than the podcast and the blog being functionally the same the blog would continue to be practical advice and topical and the podcast we would use that as a platform for inspiration a place where we can highlight and encourage the good work that the Lord and his army are actively doing out there. And we have had some awesome guests that are doing absolutely amazing work. And so we're just going to highlight a few of my favorite quotes um, as we go through here. This, uh, this first quote that, that I'm calling out um, is from uh, Emile Zwayne, who is the president of Living Waters Ministry. Living Waters is in California. It's Ray Comfort's ministry. It is a ministry that uh, I personally w- uh, have been involved with. It's a ministry that made uh, that the Lord used to make massive impact on my life. And it's a ministry that I had the benefit of visiting, flying out to and spending some time with uh, just a little more than a year ago. Amazing group of guys doing some very amazing work. Uh, in California and doing some very amazing work in an area where it's not easy to street evangelize and yet they make it look easy. And so with that, here is easy Emil Zawain, who goes by easy from living waters and what he has to say. Everyone to remember that evangelism is an act of worship. It's something that we do in response to an amazingly gracious and merciful God who has saved us. And we we do it uh, out of love and gratitude. And I love, again, what Ray Comfort always says, what I can't express to God in words, I express in works. And we have to remember, we're saved by grace through faith, and not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. But verse 10 of Ephesians 2, uh, following those two verses, 8 and 9, says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And then in 2 Timothy 2, we're told that we can be uh, prepared for every good work, a vessel of honor, uh, useful for the master, prepared for every good work. So every good work is prepared for us. We're prepared for every good work. And then we walk through life in this act of worship. And what happens is what I call a divine convergence. God allows our preparedness and the preparedness of the evangelistic encounters he has divinely orchestrated to come into convergence with one another at a certain point in time and space and god does amazing things and and it's just wonderful when we launched the new format where we were going to be highlighting individuals i sort of created a dream list of man here's the people i really would want to talk to and one of the first names i wrote down as a matter of fact i think he may have been the first name i wrote down was somebody whose sermons and lectures and books uh, have uh, been a major part of my growing in, in, in knowledge and understanding. He's one of my favorite theologians. He is somebody who has a genuinely pastoral heart and yet also an incredibly rich mind, a mind that is able to, con- to grasp 
deep concepts and yet explain them clearly. He truly is gifted at uh, breaking things down. I was, um, for my seminary, I was having to write a paper on Charles Hodge, and I ended up quoting uh, this person so much in my paper on Hodge that uh, the person grading the paper actually uh, made a comment in the margins there. Who is this paper about, Hodge or Dr. Thomas? And so without further ado, here's Dr. Derek Thomas talking about really the the fact that the mind matters. You know, the, the just give me Jesus movement, if you don't know what that means, if you don't have a basic theology in mind, then that just frankly doesn't work. You know, we weren't given a two or three word book to study. We were given a, a book that's incredibly rich and incredibly deep and a wealth of knowledge. And so knowledge matters and what God has revealed about himself matters. And we need help sometimes interpreting those things. You need theology. You, you can't read a sentence in the New Testament or in the Old Testament uh, without necessitating some kind of theological construct. Uh, John's prologue, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So you, you're, you've already got a conundrum. There's only one God, and yet there is more than one who is that one God. Right. You're into the realm of theology. Uh, you, 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 can't, uh, you can't understand the cross. I mean, think about crucifixion. If you had, if you had witnessed the crucifixion uh, as, a, as a Roman citizen, what would you have inferred? You would have inferred that this man was receiving the death penalty because he had violated Roman law. Right. If, you, if you were a Jew, you would have looked at the crucifixion and said, uh, this man is a blasphemer. Uh, and he's being punished by God. But but simply looking at the cross and viewing it doesn't say substitution. Mm. It doesn't say satisfying the demands of divine justice. That That's theology. And so it took uh, the Apostle Paul to, um, to make the crucifixion uh, theologically uh, understandable. Right. Um, uh, take the take the simple question: Who is Jesus? Uh, Jesus is both God and man, and how can that be? And it took the church almost four hundred years to answer the question: How can he be both God and man at the same time? And right. what does that mean? And what does that not mean? And so in Chalcedon, in, in 451, uh, you, you, right. uh, you have the church's response, theological response, to the question, um, who is Jesus? So everybody's a theologian, and you can't, uh, you can't avoid that. Now, typically when people say, you know, I can't be bothered with theology, they're, they're saying a number of things. Sometimes they mean, I just don't like to read. Right. And, and it's, it's sad and lamentable just how poorly um, many Christians um, give themselves to reading. And not just reading the Bible, but reading books that explain the Bible and reading right. books that will grow them um, intellectually and spiritually. 
you know, Paul makes the point that truth is in order to godliness. Mm-hmm. And, and that works both ways, that, you, you, that the, the purpose and function of truth, and therefore the purpose and function of theology, is to make you um, godly. And, and in one sense, you, you cannot be godly without that godliness affecting your mind. Right. Your mind matters, I think, Psalm 32. One of the things I love about the interview format that the podcast ended up taking is that so many of the people we have, we've interviewed have some phenomenal practical advice. And so while it moved away from topical in a sense, it still was topical. It still very much was topical, With, but now it was uh, truth coming from many different sources as opposed to uh, just uh, sort of two theologians uh, kicking it around, answering questions. And so... Uh, with that, um, I'll give you Noah Stratton from Logos Theater and the Academy of the Arts, uh, which is a, a, a great uh, ministry, a, a place where you can even get a degree in arts and uh, from. And they do some terrific uh, plays, very high quality standard. But he actually said one of, I think, the most poignant things about how you can know God's will and how you can understand what God once from your life, he gave some very practical advice that I liked a lot. Something that we always tell people is you know, be in God's word, um, be praying, seek godly advice from older people that have gone before you, and then look at your talents. Look at what you enjoy doing. Look at what God has blessed you in your desires, um, you know, and, and look at those combination of those four things to kind of see what's next. And then keep exposing yourself to new opportunities, new things, things that you might not even think you like um, or might have an interest in, but when you go do them, all of a sudden, you know, your eyes open a little bit to something new that maybe God does have for you. Um, Because of the interview format, we also were able to cover some topics that I don't know that I necessarily would have otherwise. Um, Some pretty deep topics, some pretty serious topics, one of which, uh, one of, I think, the most, um, I guess, heartbreaking episodes uh, although very hopeful, I mean, um, the switch is doing some amazing work, and so very positive in terms of what could be, but also very negative in terms of what's going on right here in our backyard. But anyway, my, our interview with Zaina Green from Switch SC, which is an an anti human trafficking ministry right here in the upstate of Greenville, South Carolina. What? Uh, to me stood out most from that interview is how the church right here contributes to the sex slave industry. Yeah. Think about what I just said. A significant portion of the individuals going to church actually contribute to the problem of the sex trade industry. Here's what we talked about. For those of you who don't know much about human trafficking, um, human trafficking is definitely a supply and demand industry. And so if people weren't buying services, we wouldn't be having this issue. And what we see is that our culture has um, been tailored to um, sexualize things. And so therefore we know that, you know, women wouldn't be purchased as sex trafficking victims if there weren't people buying. And statistically, 99% of buyers are males. And so um, that's kind of a male-ran program. Um, that we have in Switch. It is our smallest. It's something we're hoping to get funding to develop in the next few years. 
Um, but basically, it is to change culture and to bring awareness that, you know, even viewing free pornography is not a victimless crime and that it's the gateway to then eventually fueling this industry even more. Um, we know that, um, you know, pornography is in the church and outside the church. And so we just really believe that part of the issue with this is that people don't want to talk about it. People don't want to talk about this issue, but we know that shining light on that can actually help people break free. And so we know a lot of times the men that struggle, you know, they don't understand that it's a victimless crime. I mean, it's a victim crime. They think it's a victimless or they don't know who to talk to if they have a struggle or it would actually bring shame on them and they feel shameful about what they've done. And we don't want that. We actually want to see people get free. And then of course, not only is there slavery in the terms of the sex industry here locally, but there's slavery all around the world and horrible atrocities like slavery. Talking again about the importance of theology, that type of evil is really only possible when the theological construct is very far from true Christianity. And that's what you have in India. In, in India, you have 80% of the population being Hindu and Hinduism has within it the caste system, which is an incredibly racist and incredibly um, harsh, horrible, uh, really anthropology or view of men, view of people, uh, very different from that of Christianity, which says that every person matters. And so uh, I remember uh, this clip standing out just about how India is a very complex place, about how it's so modern and forward thinking, except where it's not. These, these people are preyed upon as part of the Hindu system. And, and again, India is a really complex place. It's, it's pretty fascinating because it's a country with nuclear power. It's right. a country with a space program. And it's a country with more slaves than anywhere else in the world. Wow. And it's, so it's this, this combination of modern urban India and very, very ancient rural India. And they coexist in the same place. That voice talking about India was uh, David Miller from childfreedom.org, childfreedom.org, which is a a great ministry doing some amazing work. Um, A 100% donation ministry, in other words, 100% of your donation actually goes to the work, which is a very cool thing. I'm not quite sure how they do that, but that's that's an amazing thing And and a great ministry. And also, too, I will just take this point to uh, to give a shout out to my daughter, to my middle daughter, who was five at the time of the race. But the Child Freedom 5K, she actually won first place in the under 15, which was uh, something that I think will she will sticks with her will stick with her for uh, forever. I think she uh, has loves running. Uh, she definitely gets that from her mom more than me, but um, she she loves running, and uh, I think that really sealed the deal for her. Uh, running for the future. So to be five years old and win uh, in women under 15 category or females under 15 category uh, was pretty cool. So that was, that was nice as well. So thank you child freedom, not only for your good works, but also for what uh, you did for my daughter, which was pretty awesome. (laughs) Um, We don't have, uh, I decided not to play any clips from just the last couple of episodes, but uh, Dr. Tony McDade, uh, with United Ministries and Chris Rondo uh, and many other people that we interviewed throughout the season, but they had some they had some awesome things to say, and I had some clips in there from them. But you just heard them in the past couple of episodes, so I would encourage you to give both of those a listen as we take a, a, almost a month off, or no, it is a month off. It's a full month off um, 
thank you for a great year of podcasts. Thank you for listening, for being with us, for growing with us, for bearing through some of the changes. We will now take a break until January 16th. But right before that, I have one more very important clip to always remember. And then they also all, um, mostly all, um, grew beards because that was, again, a way to distinguish, you know, a Protestant from a Catholic was, Mm -hmm. does he have a beard or not? That's interesting. I mean, that doesn't surprise me. But yeah, I mean, because, man, John Calvin and John Knox, man, they had some massive beards. beards, yeah. In fact, uh, I can't remember. I think it was. John Bunyan? Yeah. I don't know of a Puritan, actually, that didn't have, like, a (laughs) that didn't have. Of course, when you look at videos or movies about those times, they're always clean-shaven, like, which they would not have been. Right. Um, I I think it was Spurgeon that talked about, like, the the art and the grace of having a beard and how it was was scriptural and manliness. Like, it it was great. It's, It's a great quote. You know who doesn't have a beard? Joel Osteen. I was literally thinking that right before you said <laughs> So if, if we've proven anything today, Charles Spurgeon, John Ness. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, Deepak Chopra is oh. not, you know, clean shaven. So, I you mean, can't trust a clean shaven man. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. I think that's been uh, clearly established. Um, that was from my interview with David Pendergrass from The Blessed Beard. I use that beard oil literally every day. I also use his balm, which is awesome, too. Uh, the oil is more for conditioning. The balm is more for, for combing. But anyway, the blessed beard is worth checking out as well. So, of course, that's a very important message. I can't stress it enough. Never trust a beardless theologian. Thank you very much. We'll see you in January. This concludes this particular dispatch from the front lines of the Lord's Army. If you want more information or content, Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and on Instagram, and subscribe to us on YouTube. Apply what you have learned in this episode. Remember, you do not become a great man or woman in Christ without taking action. One easy way you can help spread the gospel right now is by subscribing to our podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, just by liking us and leaving us a review, you can have a massive impact in how many people we reach. Go out there. Take action. Join the battle lordsarmy.org